Our pericope of Scripture this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John, chapter 16. Boys and girls, listen carefully and you count the number of times in this passage that Jesus says he goes away or he goes to his Father. These things have I spoken unto you, this is Jesus speaking, these things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. And all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore saith I that he shall take of mine and show it unto thee. A little while. And ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples among themselves said, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me again, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. 
and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee? By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh. Yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let us go from our scripture passage now to the catechism which teaches the truth that we have had in this pericope, but in many others also, on Christ's exaltation. Lord's Day 18, page 10 in the back of your Psalters. How dost thou understand these words? He ascended into heaven. Answer. That Christ, in the sight of his disciples, was taken up from earth into heaven. And that he continues there for our interest until he comes again to judge the quick and the dead. That poses a question. Question 47. Is not Christ then with us even unto the end of the world? Answer. Christ is very man and very God. With respect to his human nature, he's no more on earth. But with respect to his Godhead, majesty, grace, and spirit, 
He is at no time absent from us. Question 48. But if his human nature is not present wherever his Godhead is, are not then those two natures in Christ separated from one another? Answer, not at all. For since the Godhead is illimitable and omnipresent, it must necessarily follow that the same is beyond the limits of the human nature he assumed, and yet is nevertheless in this human nature and remains personally united to it. Finally, question 49. Of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension into heaven? Answer first. That he is our advocate in the presence of his Father in heaven. Secondly, that we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he as the head will also take up to himself us, his members. Thirdly, that he sends us his spirit as an earnest by whose power we seek the things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God and not on things on earth. May God again bless the reading and the explanation, the preaching of his word. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, do we fully appreciate the truth of Christ's ascension? Many, many people come to church on Easter morning. Maybe not all the best reasons, maybe to show off their Sunday best that they just bought. But on Thursday, when we have an Ascension Day service, are we there also with delight to celebrate that Christ Jesus is now in heaven for us, that is in our interest? You see, it is the believer in Christ Jesus that learns to delight in Christ's Ascension. Because he answers with that psalmist question. Do you remember that question? Who shall ascend into heaven, into the hill of the Lord? And if you remember in that psalm, who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And of ourselves, that's not us, is it? That is our Lord Jesus Christ, but he ascends there as the head of the body. And where the head is, the body will follow. Isn't that true in childbirth? And yes, Jesus uses that illustration, doesn't he? About a woman in childbirth. Travail. But the head pops out first, usually, and then the body follows after it. And that is the truth of Christ's ascension for us. The head is up in heaven. And you and I in the head already are in heaven, but also we follow him one day, soul and then body also. It is Christ 
who ascended into the hill of the Lord, and it is in Christ that you and I can also do that. We just did that, didn't we? We just did it in that prayer. We were taken right up into heaven itself, into the most holy place, laying our request before God in Christ Jesus. So notice with me, the gospel, the good news, the gospel of Christ's ascension. First of all, the triumphant event. Second of all, the encouraging benefits. And then thirdly, the present effect that has now upon us. What a triumphant event. As we read in Acts, and as we hear in this Lord's Day, the risen Lord is taken up into heaven in the sight of his disciples. There they are on Mount Olivet with Jesus, and he is blessing them, and even while he's blessing him, them, they see him arising up into heaven and a cloud of glory takes him out of their sight. And that is really Jesus' position still in heaven, isn't it? Over his church. His arms stretched out over his church in grace, ruling them and caring for them and leading and guiding them, always with them by his spirit by his majesty, by his grace. Forty days, the risen Lord was here on earth so that he could appear to his disciples at one time at over 500 together. He could appear so that there are eyewitnesses that he is truly alive. They saw the nail holes in his hands and his feet. They saw him eat fish or bread. Not a ghost, but Jesus Christ in his physical, glorified body with them. Not only so that they would have eyewitnesses of his resurrection, but also, second of all, that he could give parting instruction to them. For theirs is a mighty task. They are going to go forth and to proclaim Christ Jesus, Savior and Lord, crucified for our sins and risen from the dead and now in heaven. Forty days to enjoy that time with the risen Lord so that they can witness that the Lord Jesus is truly alive. But now at the appointed time, Jesus is taken up into the air and a cloud of heavenly glory he has received into heaven. We read in John 16, verse 28, Jesus says, I came forth from the Father and I'm come into the world. That's his incarnation, isn't it? And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. That is in his flesh. Physically, Jesus went from the place called earth to the literal place called heaven. And we are told that he is received up into heaven far above all things. 
We read in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up as far as all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he has ascended there, the catechism says, for our interest. For as we read in Ephesians, he has ascended up into heaven that he can give gifts unto men. We read in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and following, For he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, till we shall all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus Christ in heaven. A triumphant event. This is now the second step or degree of his exaltation. We went through the five steps or degrees of his humiliation, didn't we? When he descended from the glory of heaven and was born of the Virgin Mary, born and placed into a cattle stall. That was the beginning of his humiliation. through his whole life, finally, that he suffered, died, was buried, and suffered the pains of hell. But that's all changed. Because of his victory, because of his victory, he now ascends up into heaven, giving gifts. You can imagine the times when David went out with his armies, and defeated the Philistines. Triumphantly, David would come back into the city. And yes, Saul didn't like it so well. Saul had killed his hundreds, but it is David who has killed his thousands and ten thousands. And as he comes with that victory parade into Jerusalem, he would give gifts to the people. They would take the plunder that was on the dead bodies or from the country and it would be bestowed upon the citizens of the city. Beloved, that is the type which looks to the great antitype, Jesus Christ. The victories that he won over Satan. The victory that he won over our sin. Sins that held us captive. The victory that he won over death, the last enemy. What an, a triumphant event. He ascends up into heaven, and there in glory he enjoys blessed fellowship again with his Father. Boys and girls, did you count the number of times? I go to my Father, I go away from you. He is back in his glory in heaven in his physical body, a spiritual body, but still physical body, which means body and soul. Yes, they were separated for a little while, weren't they? When Jesus died there in the cross, then his soul went up to heaven with his father for three days while his body lay in the grave. But then on the resurrection morning, 
that soul and that body of Jesus were joined again together and he walked for 40 days with his disciples showing himself at different times. And then on Ascension Day, body and soul, Jesus ascended into heaven. Fellowship again with his Father, close fellowship. The obedient servant of God, how God must have said, I am much pleased with you, Jesus Christ. Fellowship there with the angels that would serve him. Fellowship with the saints of the Old Testament that were already in heaven. He ascended to heaven in order to come once again down to earth. This earth. Because he's now in heaven for our interest. And as he prays in the very next chapter, John 17, which is that high priestly prayer, he says, I will, Father, that those who are mine will be with me where I am. So Jesus ascended up in heaven in order that he may come down to earth again and take all of his church with him into the new heavens and the new earth. What is significant about this sojourn from earth to heaven for Christ? A victory parade, yes. But it's more than that. He enters into heaven as the Holy of Holies. I'd like to read from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy of holies made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Can you see the picture, boys and girls? Once a year, the high priest would take the blood of the bull or of the goat in a basin. And he would carry it there, and he's the only one that could go into that Holy of Holies, and he would sprinkle that blood upon the altar that is upon the cherubim and the Ark of the Covenant. Picturing what is going to take place finally when Jesus Christ ascends into heaven. And yes, Jesus Christ ascends into heaven with his blood that he shed, sprinkling Away all of our sins, washing them away. There's the payment that was made and accepted by God. And now the difference between the type and the antitype. The type every year had to go into that Holy of Holies just for a brief moment. And every day the priest would be standing up doing more sacrifices. Because the blood of goats doesn't take away sin. It's only a picture. But Jesus Christ has entered once into the Holy of Holies, the real Holy of Holies, not the one made with hands, heaven, with a blood that he has shed once and for all, sufficient to take away all of our sins.
there in glory, Christ announces his victory, a complete victory. Unlike the teaching of some that Jesus had to go down to hell to proclaim his victory, no, Jesus ascended into heaven to proclaim his victory. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has ascended there with his victory so that now he is made king over the world in his power. How is it described, boys and girls? That his enemies are made his footstool. Do you like to sit sometimes on the couch and you have a footstool there and put your feet up? And that's a picture of Christ Jesus in heaven on the throne, his enemies underneath him, doing his work even though they don't love him, even though they do sinful things. Christ ruling over the world as king and Christ ruling over his church in his grace, in his love, in his care, by his spirit and by his word. And by Christ's ascension, he announces really the glory of his Father in heaven. For this was the Father's plan from eternity. From eternity, he chose Christ Jesus. He gave to Jesus Christ all of his elect people to save. And he has done that work. He now ascends up to his Father in heaven, and he says, it's done, and God is glorified. What a magnificent work. If you think the work of creation is wonderful, it's only a... And it is an eloquent book, John Calvin says. But if that work is wonderful, think of how much more wonderful is the work of our Lord Jesus for us and in us. Do you catch the difference? The work for us was done there on the cross. But the work in us is a work that continues through the whole history of of the world. His elect being born again or regenerated, called out of sin, separated unto Christ Jesus, given faith, justified, sanctified, preserved, and glorified. Oh, he ascends as the faithful, obedient Son of God. A triumphant, event. But we need to say something else about it, a real event. Jesus went from earth up into heaven. You'll notice how in the catechism we had four questions and answers about Jesus' ascension, while there was only one question about his resurrection. Of the resurrection we looked at last week, the fact isn't even mentioned, really. It's the, what advantage is it? Because it wasn't being questioned at that time. But when it comes to Jesus' ascension, what really took place, that was being discussed. And that was being wrongly interpreted. How? Martin Luther. What a giant he was for the Reformation. But there was some straw in his theology, wasn't it? For Luther taught the ubiquity 
of Jesus' human nature. Now, what does that big word mean? Ubiquity. It simply means that Luther taught that the attributes of Jesus' divine nature are now also communicated that is given to his human nature. You young people in catechism, you have studied the attributes of God, the incommunicable and the communicable ones, the ones that he has only in himself. Creatures don't have them. And then there are the attributes that are communicated or given to us. What are some of those attributes that are not given to us but only belong to God? That he is omnipresent, omniscient, eternal, and the list can go on, can't it? And Martin Luther said, some of those attributes of his divine nature are now given also to his human nature so that while his body is, yes, it ascended up in heaven, but his human body is also here. His human body is on that communion table, Luther said, in and around and with the elements. Because Luther dealt with that question, how could Jesus say when he was holding the bread in his hands, saying, this is my body which is given for you. What a wrong teaching. What's wrong about it? For Luther, really, the ascension of Jesus is not a change of place, but a change of condition. In other words, yes, his human body went up to heaven, but his human body is still here in the world yet too, because it's omnipresent. Now you say, that's just some words. Do we really have to fight about those kind of things? Well, yes, these are fighting words, and that is why this Lord's Day talks first about the fact that in the sight of his disciples, Jesus ascended from the earth into heaven. If it's only a change in the condition of his body, then there's no hope for us. There's no comfort derived. Because if it's just a change in Jesus' body, then we do not have our flesh in heaven. The flesh of Jesus would be different than our flesh. Second of all, even if Christ then is given those divine attributes in his human nature, what Christ attained will not be attained by us. We will never do that. Then our physical life is something that's inferior. So the catechism begins with the fact of Jesus' ascension. Is Jesus physically here on earth? No. Is Jesus one day going to establish a physical kingdom here on earth? No. Christ Jesus is in heaven. That human nature is there assuring us that we too in our human nature will be lifted up to be in heaven with him. But by his divine nature, because the divine nature cannot be limited, 
Jesus correctly said, I go away from you, but then I will come to you. And he did. Because the divine nature is omnipresent. And Christ, by his divine nature, does come to us by his spirit and by his word. And he dwells with us. What a triumphant entry then. Even as David entered into Jerusalem as the king who defeated God's enemies, the Lord Jesus entered into heaven as that faithful servant of God who won the victory over our sins, death, and Satan. And what is comforting in that fact is that he is never at any time absent from us. Because you'll notice that the catechism does ask another question. Well, didn't Jesus say, lo, I am with you always? And now you're saying Jesus is up in heaven and the disciples are going to be sad because he is leaving them. Is his promise broken? And how beautifully our instructor tells us, no, it's not broken. Because of his divine nature, because of by his spirit and his majesty and his glory, he is with us every day of our lives. Whether it's in our homes, whether it's at a workplace, whether it's on a sick bed in the hospital, we're never alone. But the Lord Jesus, by his spirit, is always with us. Even to the end of the world. Lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. Christ with us. Helping us. Let me move on then to the second point. The encouraging benefits. Just like in Lord's Day 17... The one question says, what benefit, what advantage is Christ's resurrection to you? See how applicable this is? The question, the last question in this Lord's Day also asks, what benefit, what advantage is this to you that Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven? And there's three things. First of all, Jesus is there now as our advocate. Boys and girls, what is an advocate? An advocate is one who speaks up for or in defense of others. Or what the scripture talks about, Christ's intercession for us. Christ is there speaking in our favor. Christ is there praying for us to his Father to give us what we stand in need of for our bodies and for our souls. Even while we might be fearful or we might be discouraged and we find it hard to pray, beloved, you have one in heaven who is speaking for you, for your advantage. We sin each day. And when we take our prayers and we pray for forgiveness, it rises up to the God's throne through Christ Jesus. And God, rather than looking at us in wrath and dealing with that sin, Christ says, 
I paid for it. That wrath came to me on Calvary's cross. They are now innocent. By faith. By faith we grasp that Christ is that advocate speaking for us, pleading for us, pleading that we will continue to receive every day the mercy of God and the grace of God that we so desperately need. Help when we go through trials in our life. And we're going to speak about that this evening. That we are preserved through this present life until we come to that harbor of peace and glory above. I'd like to turn again to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. And we read there in verses 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our firmities, but was like in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus is our advocate. And our prayers go up through him and they come perfectly then to the Father. And he helps us. He speaks for us. What benefit do we have of that? Well, from Hebrews 4, number one, you and I have a sympathetic high priest in heaven. What does it mean? When we come with our sins and our shortcomings, Jesus Christ is not shocked and says, Oh, you did that? And you want me to pray for you? He's a sympathetic high priest. He knows how terrible those temptations are. He went through them for 40 days at the devil's hand. (coughs) And he cares for each one of us. Number two, with that one speaking for us as our advocate, then our sins are not held against us. But that advocate says, those sins are gone. I paid for them. Do you behold your children? They're white as snow. They're innocent as if they had loved, lived completely perfectly. And our advocate is, thirdly, up in heaven praying as he does in the high priestly prayer that you and I may be with him. He prays for us even when we have stopped praying in despondency. When we don't know what to pray any longer. Do you have that at times? Think of a loved one who is in great pain and everything else. How do you pray? Do you pray, Lord, take him home, but I'm going to miss him. Do you pray, Lord, somehow heal him? No. We say, thy will be done. And we don't know what to pray for, but Christ Jesus prays for us. What an advocate. Second of all, with Jesus' arrival in heaven, we have another 
sure pledge. We have our pledge in heaven. Now what does it mean that we have another pledge? Well, Jesus' resurrection is, first of all, a pledge for us. We heard that last week, didn't we? Jesus' resurrection is a pledge that indeed our sins are gone and we are justified. Now we have another pledge. That as Jesus ascended into heaven, you and I also will ascend into heaven when we receive, first of all, our soul goes there in the intermediate state. We're going to be studying about that, aren't we, in our discussion groups. What is the intermediate state? That point when we die and our body goes in the grave and our soul is with Jesus, which Paul says is far better. But that's just the beginning, isn't it? Because from the intermediate state, when Jesus comes again, our bodies are going to be raised from the grave. And then body and soul, we will go with Jesus into the new heavens and the, and the new earth. That is our eternal state, being with Christ Jesus when heaven and earth are joined together. How we need that assurance. We read in John 12, verse 32, and if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And then you've got those beautiful words in John 14, don't you? In the first couple verses there. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. How we need that assurance. Because sometimes we are prone to doubt whether we will receive that full inheritance in the heavenly Canaan. And we doubt it, we're despondent because of the troubles and the sins that we face in this present wilderness. And so to a dying saint in the hospital, I love to read from that chapter. Here's our hope. Our hope is in Christ Jesus, our advocate, who is with his body in heaven and he will take us, first our souls, one day soul and body, up into heaven. What a pledge that is. Our final destination. But third, if that isn't enough, if that's not enough, he gives us an earnest of that perfect glory. What is an earnest? Well, boys and girls, Perhaps your dad wants to buy a house or you want to buy something that a neighbor has. You don't have the money on you right now, but you pay down maybe $1,000 toward that vehicle or something else. And it's a pledge then that the rest is also going to be paid. But here is the, and, and the person then holds that thing that you're buying until you come with the rest of the money. Now, our full 
inheritance is we're going to be with saints in, Christ, uh, in heaven. But as an earnest right now, a down payment, that we're going to have that spiritual life, he gives us his spirit. And by that spirit, now already in this life, we have that fellowship with God. That's what Sunday is so good about. God speaks to us and we're able to speak to him. Come on, you young couples or you young married ones, how wonderful it is when he speaks to her and she speaks to him, all that communication. And that's exactly ours as the bride of Christ. That's what worship is all about. Christ speaking to us and by the Spirit, we also speaking with him. Beautiful dialogue, fellowship, now already in principle, which will be full when Jesus comes again. It guarantees that, everlast, that everlasting place that we have with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. In other words, I said in principle tonight. In other words, we are already in heaven. That is, we are already citizens of heaven. And we go up there several times a day, hopefully, in our prayers. We go up into heaven, we make our requests known, and he gives us what we need. We're there in, hev in heaven just like a bud on a flower holds within itself the flower that's going to open up. Or boys and girls, maybe in the springtime you like to catch a caterpillar crawling and let it crawl over your hand. But that caterpillar has in itself that power to become a beautiful butterfly. You and I are now sons and daughters of God, and in ourselves we have in us that hope when we're going to be without sin, body and soul, dwelling in Christ Jesus every day of our life. So that brings me to my third point. So how does that affect you and me? I want to make this very applicable. This morning we hear about the gospel, the comfort of Christ's ascension. What effect? Well, having that hope that Christ is in heaven and having that hope that one day we also have our place there, how do we live now? Do we live as citizens of that kingdom or do we still act like a citizen of this world trying to get the goodies of this world, thinking that this world is our home and we feel at home with the wicked people and the wickedness of this world? What do you seek in this life, beloved? Is it longing to be with Christ Jesus? Is it seeking to be pleasing to the Lord? Is it delight to hear his voice in his word? Is it delight to speak to him, to sing to him? Do you have a song in your heart? How shall we answer the Lord, our King? For what did you live? For what did you hope? Oh, Lord Jesus, I hoped 
for that day when I would see thee face to face. What glory that will be. And that spirit of Christ, the earnest of your my redemption, is given by Christ to work those desires in our hearts. The beginning of our glory with Christ. That spirit who has that power to transform and change us from sinners into saints. And knowing that, knowing that Christ, the great benefit, he gives us his spirit and his word, we pray. We pray for that work. Oh, Lord Jesus, work in my heart, work in my life, that more and more I love thee, more and more I believe in thee, more and more I want to serve thee with all that I have. And in that spirit, by faith, we seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. And in that way, we rejoice. We rejoice because the Lord has ascended to glory in his chariot of glory and victory. And soon again, he's going to come in his glory to lead you and me, body and soul, into the presence of Jehovah to dwell there forever. But now, now we just ascend up into heaven in our prayers several times a day. And beloved, we do not return empty when we come up to heaven with our prayers. Just like my sons and daughters, when they come over and Elva feeds them, they don't go home empty. Because if you know Elva, she usually produces twice as much food as what we could ever eat there. The kids go home not empty-handed, but with leftovers, or they go home with things that we have purchased for them or for their children. And beloved, that's exactly what happens with you and me. We go up to heaven with our prayers, our requests, our needs, and we don't go home empty, but rather we return with gifts. What kind of gifts? Peace and harmony. We go up to heaven with our sins, and we hear Christ and God in Christ saying, your sins are forgiven. You have peace and harmony with me. We go home with our, come back to earth after our prayers ascend into heaven, and we come home with holiness, that spirit working in us so that we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for Christ. And we come back from our prayers with a peace of heaven inside of us a renewing and a reforming work you see the ascension of jesus puts our feet on earth so that we're sober and practical we live in this world as those who serve the risen savior who is in heaven preparing mansions for us what a purpose what a purpose we have in our life body and soul Believing, clinging, serving, and obeying our Savior. Amen. Father in heaven, we're excited. We're thankful for the discussion that Jesus